traveling the vortex. Good afternoon. I'm looking for the doctor. I've been fighting this war for a long time. I've lost the right to be the doctor. You're me? Both of you? Yup. Even that one? Yes! Am I having a midlife crisis? <laughs> the screwdrivers, what are you going to do? Assemble the cabinet at them? Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. Never give up. Never give in. I am the doctor again. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 315. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Sad. Yeah. Bit of a down week. But of course we'll get to that in a little bit. Did you guys do anything fun this week? We watched Finding Dory finally yesterday. What'd you think? How was that? I liked it. It's really good. It's got a lot of heart. And I still enjoy Finding Nemo slightly better, but I really like the, the change of approach and the different tactics and kind of flip it on its ear and reverse the scenario um it's good it's 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 charming it's funny and it ranks way up there as, as a pixar film for me way up there way wow. up there yeah i think the only thing i can say negatively against it is it suffers from the we really didn't need it but it's okay that you gave it to me you know my thing is yeah if you're going to tell a story if you're going to make a sequel my first criteria is that it's a necessary sequel. If it doesn't meet that criteria, then it needs to be an enjoyable sequel. And that's what it did. Is it met the mark of a very enjoyable sequel. Hmm. It also pulls a Toy Story 3, which, if you look at Toy Story and the difficulties that the toys had getting next door, that's the whole movie, is how do we get from this house to this house, and it's across the yard. And then by the time you get two, they're going downtown and they're fighting traffic and doing. And by the time you get to three, they're flying and engineering escapes from from a place. Finding door or finding Nemo is really the logic of how do we get out of the tank? And in this one, it's accidental water everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, look, we crossed everything. Okay. <laughs> but it was fun. It is. It's good. Good fun. Uh, it's probably the only thing I watched. I did catch up on Agents of Shield, so I we did not get our shows watched this week. I know. Wow. The only thing we got watched was This Is Us, the latest episode. So Holly's watching that. She really enjoys it's it. It's really good. I didn't think I would like it, but it's really, really well done. I am three episodes away from finishing the first season of Westworld, though. So. <laughs> oh, you've been trucking through yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for episode eight. How far are you guys now? We paused. In order to catch up with Sherlock, we had to put some stuff on hold. So that was one of the ones that went on hold while we worked our way through Sherlock. And then everything came back this week, so we had to double up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to catch up on it. And we haven't gone back to Westworld yet, so it's on the list. How many episodes in are you? Do you remember? Five, I think. Mm. There's a huge, huge thing at the end of episode seven that just makes... I haven't had really a chance to get back to it since I've seen that episode, and I'm really itching to now. Because oh. <laughs> I don't know what's going to go next, or how things are going to proceed from here. It's, yeah, that good. Uh, we did go to a special sneak peek 
at the new Timey Wimey Puppet Show. Oh, you got over there yesterday. Yeah, we did I, go. I wanted to go to that. We, it was we it was a lot of fun. Uh, he has some great new material. It's amazing to me how he can come up with such new material and even rework some familiar material to make it completely new. Everything we saw was brand new. And then we got to give some feedback and some suggestions on how to improve some things. And hopefully our suggestions will help and that will make the Timey Wimey Puppet Show a bigger success this year. Good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him again at Planet Comic Con. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Eric Collins was there and his son, so we got to see oh. Red Dalek. And James, I saw there, James Fouth. And of course, always good to see Mike and Corwin and meet with them and talk. So, The only other thing I watched this week was The Elephant Man. Well, had you watched it before or had you watched it after. since? But had you seen it before? I had not seen it before. Oh, you hadn't seen I it. I thought no. I had, but it was not familiar to me at all. Man, that's it's a depressing film, but yeah. it's so well done. Yeah, I didn't know it was a David Lynch film. Yep, doesn't feel like a David Lynch film. Well, it's very early, early in his yeah. career, so <laughs> it's not weird enough to be a he David was, Lynch he was, film. <laughs> number one, he's it's based on uh, true, true uh, events. Yeah, yeah, true events. And number two, he still kind of had he was still playing with Hollywood guidelines at that time. Yeah, <laughs> I have never seen a head either, so I don't know how out of the box that that one's quite out of the box. So. <laughs> I didn't know this was produced by Mel Brooks. I didn't know that either. He executive produced it, but he didn't put his name on anything because he didn't want it to be construed as a comedy. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, it was their company's first foray into the serious films. They, the DVD had this fantastic 30-minute bonus feature about the making of this of the movie. Obviously, because it was DVD created later, you know, so it was them kind of looking back on it. Uh-huh. John Hurt in that movie is just incredible. The, the acting he's able to do beneath that makeup is just superb. It doesn't even sound like John Hurt. Yeah. Which, which is incredible to me. You, you just lose him in the in the character. And I'm going to share another thing from it later when we start talking about him that really, I think, speaks to the man he is. I didn't get to attend the uh, timey-wimey. Mel had an event for Pure Romance in Lawrence, and I was at a meeting at Planet Comic Con. Uh, How was the Planet Comic Con meeting? It was informative, you know, kind of a setup for, you know, here's all the stuff that's coming for this year and how they're going to do it. And the event space has changed a little bit, but I think it's going to be a good change. They couldn't get the same setup as last year because different parts of the building had already been rented. So instead, where the exhibit hall is, which they have all of that, the panel rooms will all be downstairs from the main exhibit hall on the one side. They're going to close the street off. That's kind of where the main entrance is. And then they also have the panel rooms on the other side of the street, which are still below the exhibit hall. Hmm. So it'll all be kind of under the one roof, with the exception of the, the Great Hall, which you still got to go across that skywalk to get to it. But So the main, that one street that goes underneath the entire thing, that's the street you're talking about? That they're on the other side. Yeah, of I think it's actually 13th, but yeah, whatever. Wh- whatever you consider the main entrance when you walk up to it and through those. And doors. you always go to the left or whatever from that parking yeah. lot garage. Yeah. All right. Cool. That street will be closed off, and they'll have both sides of it. So. That's cool. But it looks like it's going to be a good year. So they've got a bunch of guests that I'm not at liberty to discuss yet. <laughs> but we can say that they. Uh, this is Doctor Who related, but they. They announced Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they also uh, announced Michael Rooker. Yondu. He's been there. Not playing a Comic-Con. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Two years ago. Yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> and Deadshot. Did, yeah, that's Arrow. right. Yeah, from Arrow. From the Arrowverse. Lots of good guests getting announced. And more to come. 
Not even halfway done with their guest announcements. It's exciting so. to see those announcements come in. Did you watch anything, Sean? Nope. Shy's, Shy's been sick all week. Um, I've been a little under the weather. It's just been a rough week all the way around. I did come over here and record a flicks with friends. AJ and I did... Uh, a Wednesday. Yeah, did uh, James Bond the Connery years with Sean. That was fun. So we're going to get Keith on the couch. Yeah, I need to get down there. Some soon, hopefully soon. That sounds really wrong. <laughs> well, shall we move on to our feedback? Our first bit of feedback comes from Ben. Ben writes, feedback, feedback, feedback. Hey, guys. So I write in and admonish everyone for not writing in. Then I disappear again. Please accept my apologies. When I wrote the last feedback, I was beginning a two-week vacation. I don't do much listening during those. I prefer instead to bank episodes and marathon them upon my unfortunate return to work. Let me back up just a moment for clarity. Just after Christmas, I had that nasty stomach bug everyone seemed to be getting again. Then I returned to work for two days prior to New Year's Eve, which began the aforementioned vacation. Promptly upon my vacation starting, I, I came down with a really great case of the common cold, insert heavy scarcasm. <laughs> they say there's a silver lining though. At least I was on vacation and was able to rest at home instead of working through it, or burdening work and calling in sick. Anyhow, during that time I didn't do much, wasn't able to really. I did a lot of reading, finished all the Lethbridge Stewart shorts, including Havoc Files 2. I also mowed through A Mind of Stone, which was absolutely outstanding. Very well done. I also read Ahsoka, and George Lucas a life during that recuperative period. By that time I returned to work, I had all but shaken the last vestiges of my cold. I, listened, I also listened to three episodes of Traveling the Vortex that first day slash week back. <laughs> it was glorious. Lastly, I have book four of A Song of Ice and Fire, A Feast for Crows, up next to my to-read list. Keith, you really need to hurry up. Just kidding, I know you have a lot going on right now. Congratulations on your new addition to your the household. You guys will be great. That's it for now. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Ben. Ben, I, I, I saw your post coming through on social media and Goodreads about, I read this, I read this, I read this, and I thought, well, that dude's making us all look bad. After you're <laughs> yeah. already through, you were off work. Aha. Ben wrote in some post notes. P.S. I Facebooked you all an article slash video about the Pirate Planet coming out in book form. It's out now in the UK. It will be out in April for those in the US. If you're like me and cannot wait until then, you can order it from waterstones.com. It's £12.99 plus £12 shipping from the UK. Mine, of course, is on the way now. I will preemptively nominate it for the book club, ladies, for April at the very least, if not if not before. Your choice as it's available now if you're willing to do international ordering. That's it really this time, folks. Takes care. P.S. Again. Okay, I lied. That's rule one, right? Anyway, Sean, I'm officially calling it. My flu shot is broken. I want a <laughs> refund. I have my second cold as we speak. That's two colds and one stomach bug after getting the shot. Clearly, its bulletproofness isn't working. Ha ha ha. Later, guys. <laughs> I think he's being cheeky, but he does realize that the flu and the cold are not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but... You know. That being said, uh, Holly said they she works for the hospital here in town, and she's saying that the uh, flu shot this year is officially bust. It did not work. Because oh, really? We have, yeah. In fact, nationwide. No, 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 no. You're not allowed to tell me this. Nationwide. <laughs> tomorrow. Nationwide, they're seeing, with Northeast Kansas is really bad, but nationwide, they're seeing a, a massive flu outbreak that, I mean, it's not like a 
contagion or anything, but it's a uh, they're they're seeing a massive outbreak, and they're saying that that flu, whatever strain they had, was not the right strain. They guessed wrong this year, so. It's all a guessing game. It is all a guessing game. There's guesswork involved in the science. Yeah, because the strain changes all the time. And so if they don't get the right strain or one nearly similar to in order order to subdue the uh, effects of the flu, then, yeah, it's all a... It's it's a dart board. They throw a dart and go, okay, we're going to do that strain. They've just been lucky every year. (laughs) Most years. Most years, yeah. Well... Yeah, but it, the hospital is saying that it's it's official. It's a bust. They didn't they didn't have the right strain. It wasn't then, even close to the right strain this year. Then there's only one other logical explanation. I'm a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody ought to demand their money back. Yeah, I'd like my money back for the free one I got. <laughs> yeah, free through work. <laughs> well, you will get your money back then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't pay for it, you'll get your money oh, back. Oh, darn. I was hoping for a little bit of something out of this. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the Goodreads Book Club, Holly has announced that February's book will be Lethbridge Stewart, The Blood of Atlantis by Simon Orward, and March's book is Lethbridge Stewart, Mine of Stone. So we're getting through those last two books through the book club. Officially. Uh, so April, the poll will be back up, and hopefully the Pirate Planet might be on that. Yeah. I'm not sure when in April it comes out, so it might be more of a May option. Yeah, it might be a May option, actually. I, I, don't, I think I'll wait on mine. I, I'm excited that you can get it available now through the UK. It's a little steep for a book that I'm not going to probably get to until April anyway because yeah. I've got so many on my plate. So. so if it's 12 pounds to purchase and then 12 Essentially pounds 13 pounds to, to ship, does that mean it's a 12-pound book? Yes. Because that's heavy. Um, uh, <laughs> joke. <laughs> Should we move on? <laughs> yes, Rachel sent in some feedback. Rachel writes... You guys Gallifrey. were really expecting something much bigger from that. No. You've used the joke before, too. So, yeah. Rachel writes, Gallifrey stands. Hey, Vortex gang. I wish my first time sending in feedback in a while was under better circumstances, but alas, they are not. What can I say about John Hurt that hasn't already been said in the many articles I've seen posted on social media over the weekend? Take one look at his IMDb page, and you can see he was a prolific and talented actor. To me, he was the poor space traveler who has an alien burst out of his chest twice, Ollivander the wand maker in Harry Potter, and most of all to me, he was the war doctor. While many were upset that Eccleston decided not to return for the 50th anniversary special, bringing in Hurt as the incarnation of the doctor that fought the time war was a stroke of genius. I can't imagine anyone else in the role. He brought gravitas, anger, sadness, and even some humor to the time in the doctor's life when all hope seemed lost. The burden of deciding to end the time war should never have fallen onto one person's shoulders, but it did, and John Hurt played the role beautifully. His performance is one of the many reasons The Day of the Doctor is my absolute favorite episode of Doctor Who. He was taken from us too soon, but we are fortunate that his body of work will live on, so raise your sonic screwdrivers and your magic wands in honor and remembrance of Sir John Hurt. Rachel. Here, here. Yes, very well said. Well, that leads us to our discussion, because the only bit of news this week was the fact that, unfortunately, Sir John Hurt passed away on Friday. Which, when the uh, the news broke, 
it, it was one of those weird serendipity moments that I just happened to have picked up my phone in the middle of doing something else. I, I have this weird tendency to do social media stuff, you know, either check Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And I just happened to jump over, and all of a sudden, that was when the first post that I saw, R.I.P. John Hurt, and I went, no, 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 no. And the next post, and the one before that, it, like, it had just hit. And that um, sucked. That was just a well, terrible. What really sucks is I didn't know this earlier that. There was a hoax about his death previously in the week. Really? So I went. I, we we heard about it at news, and so Glenn and I immediately went to the internet to try to confirm it because the source we you know you never know you got to have multiple sources. And I one of my one of the links I saw was a hoax earlier this week. John hurts alive, and then it took about ten to fifteen more minutes for more reports to come in that yeah it's true. Hmm. It was one of those things when it happened and we heard about it. I think we were a little in shock and a little in doubt. Yeah. And, it, we, and as he said, we didn't know anything about the hoax happening earlier in the week. We were a little in doubt. And that's, you know, the news instinct is to go to f- go verify it. So we, we did. Went and, and I think even after you had come across the story that there had been a hoax earlier in the week, I think that unfortunately put a little bit of doubt in my mind that this was true. That I thought maybe maybe somebody was catching wind of the hoax later and everybody was kind of running with it. And I just kept sitting there hoping that this wasn't true, that this was still part of this hoax. But as more and more news organizations started to verify it and confirm it, and it was the inevitable kind of set in. And it was at that point that Keith and I kind of discussed, should we change plans this weekend? And I'm glad we did. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, if you're tuning in expecting a discussion on Zygons, um, we have pushed that back a week. In fact, the whole schedule has just been bumped a week. Uh, so we will still have it, and it'll be next week. But we decided to dedicate this week to uh, the memory and the legacy of John Hurt and uh, what he meant to us and, and, and Doctor Who fandom, and which I think was, I think was a good choice um, when you guys kind of floated the idea. I'll be honest, there was a part of my brain that was still not quite ready to accept that this had happened. And there was another part of my brain where the schedule has kept going, no, we can't do that. <laughs> Fortunately, the rational part of my brain overrode the other two and said, no, we're going to take a week to be sad and get over this because this is, this is our first one. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we lost uh, Sarah Jane. Well, this is our first doctor that we've lost. This is the first doctor the that we've podcast. lost. And it's, it's been a while since we've lost a bigger role in the show like this yeah. i mean like you said we did lose sarah jane and we lost mary tam while we were doing the podcast and nick courtney nick and nick courtney, courtney. one that yeah i think those were the three big ones prior to john hurt while we were <clears throat> doing yeah, the show Liz Shaw, maybe yeah and that, might, that might have been pretty early too yeah i, think I can't so. remember i think that might have even was that before liz sladen passed no 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 was that after? Was that after? Yeah, caroline john was only about four years ago three oh, years okay. ago each one touches us in a different way, and obviously for, for the very limited time that John Hurt was in Doctor Who, I think he, he really managed to do something special with it. Oh, yeah. And there, There's not an actor, a better actor they could have chosen for this yeah. role of this version of the Doctor. The, the weight he carries with everything he says and the weariness that he put into the character. And then, in the episode itself turned around and find was able to find Joey the character too it's just so much depth and he's one of those actors that can say pages with just a look mm-hmm. 
which is what that character at that time needed. I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again, that I, I, when they made the announcement going into it, not really knowing anything other than that he's the doctor who fought the time war, I was prepared for anger or sadness or remorse or any of those other emotions. I wasn't prepared for him to be funny. And we watched um, uh, Day, of the Day of the Doctor for Friday Night Who this week um, in tribute. And again, he's a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. He actually reminds me a lot of McGann's Doctor in a way. They're the same kind of things that the Eighth Doctor would find just surprisingly joyful. I think the War Doctor would also find surprisingly joyful. Those little moments that he's just too pleased with. Well, and I think there's also part of his portrayal and the way he was is written is that while he is trying his hardest to push the name of the doctor away from him and stop being that person it's still in there yeah no matter what he does and the big finish is a great example of that is he's the grizzled warrior but then he still has the moments of i can still try to save everybody and it's those moments that really allow john hurt to stretch his acting skills and show what he's capable of I think that also uh, translates into, and credit to the performance of John Hart, I think it also translates into the other media, the book, Engines of War, that we read. I think I couldn't imagine any other doctor, any other, you know, way of reading the War Doctor, and that's due solely to partially Moffat's writing, but, you know, mostly to John Hurt's performance. Mm-hmm. And I think that compassion then is it, it reads over into the books as well. And even in the, the small doses of, in the comics, in the Titan comics that we've gotten of the War Doctor, I think it's translated and that's all due to John Hurt's performance. Yeah. It's uh, interesting too. Would I like to have seen Eccleston in the role? Yeah, absolutely. That would have been cool. But now that I've seen it, I don't know if it would have translated. It would have been vastly different to imagine the Ninth Doctor doing these things in this manner. I I, I suspect that there was a pretty hasty rewrite of some sort when Moffat realized he had to create a new Doctor to insert in here to to make the story work. Because I don't don't think, no offense to Eccleston, who's a fine actor in his own right, but I, I just don't think he would have pulled this kind of conveyance off of it. Moffat has said that the, the entire the yeah the entire story would have been written differently had he got Chris to commit. Because what I remember seeing is he had the ideas of the story and and he didn't put pen to paper until he right. knew who was okay. going to And what he, what he did is when he realized and he, he even has said in interviews that he knew that it was going to be a long shot to get Chris anyway. And so I think he sort of knew that's why he hadn't gone pen to paper because he sort of knew it probably was going to happen but uh, then it started looking promising and then when Chris finally gave him the no that's when he decided okay I've got to write this differently I've got to I've got to change the direction I think he probably borrowed some of the ideas but I think the writing of the war doctor I think became drastically different than what he would have written for Christopher Eccleston I think we'd have gotten a different story I think so too um, elements probably would have been the same, but I think we'd have gotten a different character altogether. I don't think we would have gotten what we got from John Hurt. That being said, I think also Moffat probably knew how he was going to write to John Hurt's performance. I think that probably helped as well, because I think once they secured John Hurt, I think maybe he realized that, that he could play to John's strengths in the writing of that, and I think that's why it works so well. Mm-hmm. So he knows the actor that he's going to be writing for, so... 
And there are so many things that that decision and that uh, availability of, of John Hurt caused those ripples to change. Think about Night of the Doctor, and that story obviously would have been vastly different or not happened at all had we gotten Christopher Eccleston in whatever you know version of the story that would have been. Yeah. Because it, it just doesn't fit now. Right, right. So... I can't remember if did we know I think we knew John Hurt was going to be the war doctor before name of the doctor right no we didn't know well, at least I don't Hurt. remember knowing that so I, Kendra, knew, I, I knew he was going to be in the special they just didn't say who he was going to be okay. until name of the doctor because I couldn't remember if I uh, be, I don't even remember that the, I remember being a complete surprise oh, see, I remember the news that that's John what Hurt, I, that was announced that's what I can't remember because I remember being very surprised that the war doctor was in the name of the doctor I don't think we knew that no no definitely not but I couldn't remember if it was I knew that John Hurt was going to play it but we had almost that was the almost year break between yeah, it was, when well, there was a year break yeah name of the doctor came out and then the 50th right yeah yeah I don't think it was a full year I think it was more like seven months I want to say, because there wasn't a Christmas special episode in there either. Yeah, because we had Snowman at Christmas. Snowman was, and in then there. the rest of Seven. There was B. a Christmas. Yeah. I thought you said there wasn't. Yes, there was. But yeah. the rest of Seven B would have been the same year as it. It was in this. It was in twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever seven month time gap there was, no, it's not even quite seven. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm trying probably to look more up like four now. or five because that would have ended near spring, March, maybe May, May. So, yeah, there was only about five months, four months. But I really don't remember hearing ahead of time that John Hurt. I just remember I remember turned hearing around the at the end and went, <clears throat> I remember hearing the news that John Hurt was in the 50th and got so excited not knowing who it was in it. I was more excited the fact that he was in it than David Tennant and Billy Piper <laughs> when they announced that because they were all around the same time. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I kind of figured they would be, but look, right. John Hurt's going right. to be there. Right. Just didn't know who he was playing at that time. I think what's amazing about the performance, too, speaking of Billy Piper, is there are scenes that they just play so good together. They play off of each other so well. They make those scenes work, which is a testament to Billy, who Doctor Who was one of her biggest, I mean, her first big role. She was a singer before that. Mm -hmm. I think she had done some small parts, but. And then. To have to act against somebody with the caliber of acting of, you know, the CV of, of John Hurt is just, that would be a little intimidating. And she pulls it off. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of that is, I, I'm sure a lot of it goes to her ability because she's done a lot since she left Doctor Who. But I wonder how much of that is credited to John for the, the how maybe easy it is to play I, off. Yeah, I, th- I think from everything I've heard of, like, especially Big Finish behind the scenes stuff of just how gracious of a man and actor he was. He was so giving to everybody he shared the screen with that I think that's part of what made him shine and what made him have such great chemistry with pretty much everyone he was on screen with was he gave so much to the other actors every single time. And he's made no secret that he was just ecstatic that he got a chance to step in and play a doctor. Yeah. That he's yeah. always been very glad and giddy and, and grateful of the fact that he was able to come <laughs> in and step in the middle of, of history and, and be able to play the doctor. Well, I think part of some of that also is the fact that he he was a, he's always been a working actor. He, he's always just looking for the next great role. He's just one of those 
older style actors that come from Britain that are just constantly working, always looking for the next thing to do, and always looking for new things to do. One of the the, the story I was going to talk about from the Elephant Man was they they sat down to try to pitch him, try to sell him on being the Elephant Man because they knew it was going to be a hard sell to whoever it was going to be because they were going to be under the makeup, they weren't going to be recognizable, and he went in there. Wanting to do it in the first place. <laughs> That's the kind of actor he was. That it was such a great role. He didn't care that they might not recognize who he was or hear his voice very well or see him. He just thought it was such a great role that he thought it was an honor to play the role part. I think it's interesting that we we watched 1984. Um, some of us for the first time this year and um, got to experience that slice of him mm -hmm. uh, ahead of time. Because, I mean, obviously you can go back to films, uh, which I will certainly watch, The Elephant Man. It's kind of one of those that's always been on my list, but I've never seen, uh, at least not, I think I've seen clips of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. Yeah, there were parts that were familiar, but not all of it. Um, so, I, you know, I, certainly I will watch that and I will probably watch it a little sooner now as opposed to <laughs> later because of this, which is unfortunate when you wind up in that area with the film yeah. that you're going back posthumously and catching up on things. But I think, you know, we, we had 1984 because of our Beyond the Doctor segment and getting to experience him through that in a completely different light, but still, you know, it's John Hurd, it's our war doctor and and that kind of look it just it really fascinates me that that's how it's just the different facets of the guy oh yeah and you can go back to you know alien which is a great movie and it's a great uh, a great role that he plays and he brings that same kind of gravitas to every scene that he's mm -hmm. in as kane few as they are um and then that he's able to come back 20 some odd years later and, and and play that kind of thing in Spaceballs as a complete goof, <laughs> yeah. and just yeah. and just roll with it, you know. That probably goes to his a working actor type uh, mm -hmm. to to be able to approach somebody like that and say, "Hey, I want to." Of course, if Mel Brooks had produced, uh, <laughs> that's true. He, he sort of had a had, had a buddy relationship, but be able to go to somebody that played such an iconic part in the movie and say. We're going to spoof that part, and most importantly, we want you to do it. And for him to say, "Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'd love to do that again," that's well, that's a real testament to an actor. Mm -hmm. oh. I had forgotten that he was the voice of the Horn King in uh, the Black Cauldron. Mm -hmm. Well, and and creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't watch the Black Cauldron. I've only seen it once, and I can't go back to it because it, it something resonated with me as a kid when I saw that movie, and I chalk it up to John Hurt. Because the Horn King frightened me, like deeply, and uh, I know Disney's kind of got that one in that weird status of eh, maybe we'll ever release it again, but maybe not. I don't know. Is it available? It's now? been released. Yeah, Has it been? several times. Okay, yeah. it's one of the ones like they don't make a big production, right? They don't make no, a big production. Shows up. It, it because it didn't do well, and it, it is a starkly different film than all the other Disney canonical films. They just announced their uh, somebody's remaking those. That whole book series yeah. apparently has been picked uh, up really? by somebody. Which I, I'm actually glad they're doing because I've never read the series, but I've always heard great things about it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of the series, but th th that was one of the things that Black Cauldron 
suffered from is a lot of people were fans of that book series and they tried to kind of throw a whole bunch of stuff in and change some things so mm-hmm. kind of like Lemony Snicket how it's got its resurrection on Netflix so <laughs> but that aside <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the movie well he's done you know comedies too uh, one of my favorite parts is in King Ralph a lot of people aren't a big fan of that movie but I love King Ralph I think John Goodman playing the distant <laughs> relative that <laughs> ends up becoming king of England and, and, and John Hurt is the guy that basically coaches him into being able to be king uh, he's the Hector Elizondo yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and everybody well, knows what you're talking about yeah, pretty well. <laughs> and going back to Mel Brooks being in History of the World Part 1 yeah. Even though it's kind of a smaller part again, but oh, I forgot still he was so in great. That. He was Jesus. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> yeah, I think when you think of John Hurt, a lot of times you don't think, you kind of think, think of more of the serious roles. 1984, mm-hmm. Elephant Man, I, Claudius, the TV uh, series. Well, yeah, he was he played Caligula. Um, Watership Down. Vendetta. Watership Down, he was a voice, yeah. Um, Hellboy. Well, but I think then, then, then when you start to look at it, he's done his fair share of action films and science fiction with mm-hmm. Alien and, and Hellboy. And Indiana uh, Jones. V for Vendetta. Uh, yeah, and then go into the more, and, and, and even in the, the comedy realm, the character of Ox Oxley was just, it was very <laughs> light. It was lightly done. It's a serious role and is, is brain scrambled because of the... the the, he brings uh, a lot but of humor he brings to that a lot movie. of humor to that to that part and uh, uh, it's such a different role for him when I watch that he's my favorite part of Crystal Skull uh, I, I, I love Indiana Jones I don't like Shia LaBeouf but <clears throat> LaBeouf whatever his name is but anyway that was probably <laughs> poor casting but one of the best casting choices they had was bringing Joan Hurt on to be that character oh absolutely I absolutely love his performance as Oxley He's one of just one of those actors that improves the caliber of any movie he's in, be it comedy or a drama or a silly action film. Just he automatically makes it more enjoyable because he's in it. Snowpiercer is a great example. Oh, he's of that. so good in that movie. Which in and of itself, the movie's okay for me. I know everybody raves about that. It's like, yeah, it was all right. Oh, but John Hurt's in it, so it automatically comes up. Nope. And I think V for Vendetta, in a way, even though he is kind of a small role in it, but I I think that's another one. I would I would enjoy V for Vendetta regardless of who played Chancellor Sutler. But the fact that you got John Hurt to play Chancellor Sutler, well, I think the dig in that too is the fact that he's playing the type of role that he was playing against in 1984. Yeah, I think that's the the brilliance of that casting, and fits naturally in both roles which is <laughs> i guess not surprising we're as much as we're praising him but it's 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 a stark difference when you when you weigh the two roles it's it's really like you say it's it's, it's quite a balance yet another testament to how skilled he was yes yeah and i can't think of another person that could play Ollivander in the harry potter movies and one of the things i always thought that was interesting about that is he was cast as Ollivander in the first film and I watched him portray Ollivander, and I, like I say, I can't imagine anybody else playing Ollivander. And I thought he was brilliant in that. I loved it. In fact, it was it, he was very much in line with how I pictured the character when I read the book mm-hmm. prior to that. And it wasn't until later when I read uh, Deathly Hallows that I also then realized how fortunate it was <laughs> that they got William Hurt because 
Deathly Hallows or John Hurt. <laughs> yeah, we were doing that all weekend going, no, not William Hurt. William Hurt's the other guy. John Hurt, when they got him for um, uh, Ollivander, because, you know, Deathly Hallows was then written after the first Harry Potter movie yeah. had come out. And so I thought, how serendipitous that they got somebody that could then handle those same scenes that we get of Ollivander in uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. So, uh, you know, the the, the the scene where he's being kept prisoner, I thought, okay, this is... And that goes back to the testament to J.K. Rowling's writing ability that everything in Harry Potter that starts off as a cute little magic bit, you know, oh, this is just a cute little scene because it's magic-y winds up being vastly important later on yeah. mm-hmm. in some way shape or form and it's it's great that they got him and she wrote the last one after the first movie had been made right yeah she wrote the so she I, wrote the last I, book I after if, harry potter and the sorcerer's stone had come out yeah. so i wonder if knowing that they cast john hurt she wrote that role slightly different or bigger to, because maybe taking advantage of the because fact because it that is we john hurt, john hurt it's possible yeah knowing that it would eventually be Put on screen. Yeah, it's possible. I know she did some of that for uh, Alan Rickman. She changed some things once she knew for sure that it was going to be him. It's who it was her only choice. But then I know she also made adjustments. Right, right. Did you ever see Outlander? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I did. Will likes to describe it as Jesus teams up with the Vikings to fight a predator because it's, it's got Tim Cavizio. It's it's the alien. Vikings movie, right? Yeah. yeah. John Hurt's in that, kind of playing that, well, he's the wise old man of the village. Uh, <laughs> you know, that shtick. But it doesn't matter because he's John Hurt. And that's another one of those films that it's a fun film to watch. But oh, John Hurt's in it, so it automatically gets that, that bump up because it's got a little more weight to it all of a sudden. I think one of the things that I, I kind of feel is this too early to presume or too early to wonder about or consider but i think if i'm right big finish has the next war doctor or it comes out next month and it's ready to go and i i wouldn't i wouldn't be at all disappointed if they decided to hold off on that but i think one of the things that i'm grateful for is the fact that we're going to get something more from john hurt yes uh even after his passing posthumously and I, I really look for. I've, I have listened to the first War Doctor set, uh, Keith. I think you're on two, right? I've or have you done three? To the three. So you're all three. Um, and and just was amazed by the performance in there and how he can pick right back up uh, with that character. And so I'm very excited. In fact, in light of recent events, I've actually <laughs> been very. I'm very much considering going ahead on with the Bump the War Doctor. So so that, and and again, I, I I'm not to judge whether it's right for Big Finish to go ahead and release it on schedule or hold off uh, a little bit out of respect but um, I, I'm very excited to go on and be able to do that and, and as they did with Mary Tam being able to release her stuff posthumously yeah. I'm grateful for the fact that he actually has another one under his belt and there's something for the, more for the fans from the war. I am a little hopeful that they were working far enough in advance that we might I'm crossing my fingers that we might get a fifth, knowing that they write these things and record them so far before they release them. Um, there's no f- official word yet if there is going to be a fifth one, but or what they had planned. Because I know I'm, I'm not sure what they had planned going forward. It did seem like there was a 
theme at least going through the box sets that I don't know if would be resolved by Volume Four. So I'm I'm a little concerned about that aspect. Well, I tell you, it's it's not beyond Big Finish's purview to do uh, written material either because they have released books oh, under true. their under their belt. And I think that one of the one of the things they could do is if they had a arc, an overarching theme that's running through all of these, and they have a fifth one that they don't have in the can that I would hope that they would consider to conclude their story mm-hmm. by maybe even releasing it as a novel or in some way getting with the BBC and figuring out a way to put it out there in another medium. I don't yeah. think I'd ever want to see somebody come in and replace him. No. I actually think it's okay for the previous three doctors because I think we've we there's been enough time, there's yes. been enough healing, there's been enough distance between uh, their passing and now. But I think that with John Hurt, I think that's something that I think needs to be well, and there, there's a, a stark, at least put on hold. There's until. a stark difference between having someone who did the big finish then pass, and having someone who never got to do the big finish that passed before and yeah, bring someone true. in. There's a stark yeah. difference there. Yeah. Uh, and how grateful that they got him for the Invisible Man for audio. Yeah, right. I, I forgot about that. that. So we yeah. got not only the War Doctor, that also. Yeah. I'd made the comment during Friday Night Who how it just seemed strange and surreal to me that we weren't going to hear John Hurt and anything else. And obviously that was thrown up immediately. Well, no, no, no. He's got the War Doctor stuff and the Brick Finish and there's a season four. And the Invisible Man, obviously, is... Uh, I'm very excited by that. <laughs> I, I was before and... Uh, in a weird way, almost more so now that it's it's going to be more John Hurt that we get. Um, it, it was just such a distinct, and well, that's I, I imagine that's why they also made him the voice of the Sorting Hat. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It was just yeah. He, he had such a distinct voice to him, and it doesn't matter that you're already Ollivander. We're going to put you in this. Too. Right. Right. I forgot that he was the Sorting Hat. And then looking on uh, uh, IMDb, uh, there are. There is one production that he's in that's that has been completed, uh, film-wise. Uh, there are two more in post-production, and there was one that was in uh, filming at the time. So oh. who knows how that'll play out? But, oh, the darkest hour. Yeah. But that being said, you know, it, sometimes it's it's harder to see something with uh, you know a favorite actor after they've passed. But then there's also something about them to be able to say. You know, his legacy lives on, and then we still get to see, we still get to enjoy things. And then, of course, yeah. being able to go back into a large back catalog of not <laughs> just very large. not just the Doctor Who stuff he's produced that, that had become a significant chunk. Now, yeah, just his, his history in film. IMDb credits him with 204 acting roles. Now, some of those are voice, but 204. That's still acting. Yeah. yeah. What is not counting... Day of the Doctor. What's your favorite John Hurt role? That we're talking about his entire body of work. His entire body of work. Because I can tell you mine right now. Go ahead. S.R. Haddon from Contact. Yeah, I had forgotten he was in Contact. It's been so long since I've seen Contact, I don't remember most of it. He's the crazy old money kook who contacts Ellie and says, Hey, we can build that. And... (laughs) Why buy one when you can build two at twice the price? <laughs> I, I love his performance. In it, that. It's difficult for me because he has played such a broad range of, of roles, but I think it, it would be a tie between Oxley and Crystal Skull and uh, I can't remember the character's name escapes me, but from King Ralph. I think that's just 
those are such an enjoyable and different type roles for him. Um, he could stretch to different parts, but those two always stand out to me as as atypical John Hurt parts for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because they're atypical John Hurt uh, John Hurt films, but Lord Percival Graves. That's it. Lord Percival. <laughs> Just for the record. Yep. Uh, I think mine would be a toss up between Oxley and uh, his character from 1984. I thought he was so yep. captivating throughout that entire film that if it weren't for him, I don't think that movie would have been anywhere as good as it was. Mm-hmm. And it's all down to his acting performance in that. But there's just so many. I mean, oh, it's I hard to... about Night Crossing. Ooh, that might take it over. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see Night Crossing? Uh-uh. It's an old Disney film based on a true story about a family who escapes East Germany, East Berlin, or no, it's just East Germany, um, by building a hot air balloon. Huh. And, and, and going up over the wall, and he's the father of the group as they... Uh, that's a really good one. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one, too. I, I haven't seen this one, but it's now on my list because it's also available streaming. Uh, Rob Roy. I didn't know he was in that one. Yeah, I knew he was in that one. He's not in it a Is lot. Not, okay. Well, he... he doesn't matter. He's, he's, he's going to show up and make it better. Well, he's a, <laughs> he's a pivotal role, but he doesn't have a lot of screen time, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. If I'm remembering the character for him. It's been a while since I've seen Rob Roy. Came out about the same time as Braveheart, and I actually liked Rob Roy better than Braveheart. (gasps) Yeah. He's credited third on the IMDb. Yeah, but I I think his character is one of those... It's kind of an intermittent thing, if I remember remember the character Mm -hmm. right, so... Like I say, he's, he's pivotal to the story, and that's probably why he's listed third, but he's... Yeah, IMDb. They've yeah. certainly don't have it. <laughs> a lot of times, it's how it's credited in the credits. Right. And I'm not sure that. Well, and I'm not sure that he has, they have a market on the hierarchy too. Sometimes I wonder if they put actors that are better known up higher than actors that might have more film time too. So and even even credits may do that as well. So. Yeah. I forgot he was the voice of Aragon in yep. the uh, animated Lord of the Rings. Right. Yeah, I've never seen the Lord of the Rings animated. I've only ever seen the Hobbit. <laughs> it's a different animal. It's oh yeah, it's all right. That was a uh, Ralph Bakshi, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Did produce that. It was the same company, wasn't it? For both. For both what? The Hobbit and no, or no, those are two different, different Yeah, two different oh, companies. Because the animation style. No, the there's actually uh, the 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 company that did the Hobbit also did. Uh, it, their own Lord of the Rings, but no, Bakshi did a, a Lord of the Rings. Oh. Uh, it, the Lord of the Rings movie that they did was kind of a, a uh, encapsulated film. So, well, because they took the three books and broke them into two. There's right. Lord of the Rings and Return of the King. That, but that, and they take the two towers and kind of break them. That's into the, the first company. That's the company that did the Hobbit. Oh, There's okay. actually a Bakshi animated Lord of the Rings. I thought which that is, was the Bakshi. No, I'm Are you sure? pretty sure. I maybe mm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that I think was it's the Bakshi one. I've also heard really great things of the Naked Civil Servants. And I really want to track that down. That's one that everyone keeps referencing of how great he is mm-hmm. in that. Have you seen that one? I've not seen it. Glenn, have you? Which one? The Naked Civil Servant. I have not seen that, no. You can tell where the, uh, where the news is coming from in a way. If the, if the, if the article referenced Naked Civil Servant, it's, it's from probably the from the UK <laughs> versus yeah, the US. Definitely. Ones. This is the 78 Baski. This is the one that hurts him. Yeah. Yeah, that's not in too part you're thinking of the same company this, that did the, this the one ends the, the midway that, through two towers but it's no, not no. the same company that does hobbit you're right 
but this is the one that they took the three books and split it into two movies. There's this one and there's the Return of the King. But the Return of the King looks like it has a different animation style, so I don't think it's hot. I don't think it's Bashki. I don't remember a second film to this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Rankin and Bass did the Hobbit, and then they did. They got yes, a different Rankin and Bass. Yeah, they got a different uh, voice cast between the Lord of the Rings and if it is the same company. I want to say this one goes up to the Battle of Helm's Deep. It's been forever since I, I've seen I remember it. this film as a kid, and I remember this film being everything encapsulated as one. Fellowship for the first half, and the first half of the Two Towers. Oh, you're right, it does, it does end after the Two Towers. He's, he's just one of those actors that you just sit down and think, and you just keep coming up with new things of, oh yeah, he was in that too. Yeah. Huh. Are there any ones that are of his non-Doctor Who that you haven't seen that has now jumped up to the top of the queue? Several. Obviously, The Naked Civil Servant is, is one that I would like to watch. Oh, the Elephant Man, Rob Roy, because I don't think I've ever seen all of Rob Roy. Apparently, he's in the new Hercules with uh, The Rock. <laughs> okay, I'll watch that. John Hurt's in it, so it's got to be... <laughs> it's got to be a little bit better. It's got to be a little bit better than that. I've actually heard that one was pretty good. Uh, Snowpiercer would be go would go to top of my list because it's I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, nothing else jumps to mind though that I just I wouldn't have thought of Snowpiercer until you guys brought it up. <laughs> Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which yeah. is in my Netflix clue now. See that one's always been one I intend to get to, but yeah. I, I still don't know that it it gets bumped now because yeah, of no, this, it doesn't get but, bumped, but it's just it's on the list. Yeah. It makes me a bit more intrigued to see Jackie too because mm-hmm. he's in that. As if the Oscar stuff wasn't enough to make me want to watch that one. Right, right. <laughs> the Proposition is another one. It's a Western. Kind of been on my list because I like Westerns. And I've heard it's apparently reminiscent of the old Sam Peckinpah stuff. I meant to go look. Um, there was when somebody had posted uh, an article about his passing. They had shown images of him from different films. And there's one where he's in front of a, looks like maybe a courtroom in front of a barrister. And he's in drag. And I wondered what that was all about. I think that's the Naked Civil Is that the Naked Civil Servant? I I wondered what that was all about. And so I kind of thought, well, that might be interesting. I'll have to go (laughs) find out what he... I mean, that's really stretching your chops there. Yeah. Uh, He has a... It's kind of a smaller role, but he's great in Only Lovers Left Alive, that Tom Hiddleston vampire movie. I forgot he was the narrator of the Tigger movie. (gasps) Yep. I didn't know that. That's another great one. Well, the Tigger movie's not a great one, but... Oh, it is. <laughs> My sister likes it. <laughs> it's quite... She's like enjo- Maleficent. Let me say this. It's quite enjoyable for what it is. It's cute, but it's... To me, Tigger's like Mater. He's <laughs> great as a sidekick, and a little dash here and there are great, but you can't carry a film. <laughs> true but the way they did this one the way yeah. it was constructed yeah. it's like if you're going to do anything with i like this the i like the, the approach i like the approach i'll give you that oh well is there much more we can say about john her other than it'll be very much missed and um sad it, it, it's one of those situations too that, that last year i think that it became a meme but it became the thing to bash on 2016 because of so many celebrity deaths and i'll be one to say that we we got a lot of them there was there was an abnormal amount 
what I hope that people realize this year, though, is unless we get another abnormal, abnormal amount of deaths, I hope that everybody realizes that our icons and our heroes and our favorite actors are coming of an age now where they, they are coming to the end of their life, sadly. And while it's always sad to lose them, and hurtful and painful to lose them. I hope that we do realize that John Hurt at 77 led a very long life. He yes. lived a long life. And a very and full while life. I think if, and I don't think it's been officially announced that it was cancer that took his life, although he did battle with cancer and was at one point in remission. Uh, I don't think the publicist has still said that what the actual cause of death was. I at least cancer. They, well, that's what they were reporting, but we reported on Friday that the publicist had not confirmed that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, anyway, regardless of, of anything that takes somebody's life tragically, let's keep in mind that uh, we are going to, we should prepare ourselves for a lot of these. I hope we don't start to beat the drum of, well, thanks a lot, 2017, because I, I don't see anything that's remarkably like right. 2016 so far. We yeah, are only at the end of January, yeah. but. Well, and unfortunately, as those baby boomers, because there are so many more of there them, are a lot of them, get yeah. closer to those ages, and more is going to unfortunately pass. John Hurt was a little above the baby boomer age, but yeah, it was kind of a threefold problem from the standpoint that, as you pointed out, these are our icons that we grew up with. Well, by definition, they are older mm-hmm. and going to be approaching the end of the lifespan sooner th- than the rest of us. So that's part of it. The readily available information stream through Twitter and Facebook and just the fact that it's instantaneous that the news is blasted out there almost immediately, I I think has something to do with that. I think the public in general is more aware of celebrity passings when they happen. because of last year, too. But last year is a little different from the standpoint that so many were taken in such close proximity at ages that didn't feel... I mean, I'm sad John Hurt's gone. I'm very, very sad over that. But as you said, he was 77. He had led a very full life. We were, we're going through this list of movies yeah, going, we're I, left haven't with, that, I haven't seen we're that. We're left with such a, a legacy. large catalog and such mm-hmm. a legacy. And, and that's, a, that's a thing to celebrate. It's when you get into the you know Prince, who was far too young to right, know, right. David Bowie, um, Alan Rickman, yeah, for that matter, right. that just kind of come out of the blue... Yeah. And are are really really shocking that you know, George Michael's another one that yeah. just it, it's it's so I guess my, too much at once. My plea is to to please be accepting that this is a reality, and I'm just hoping that people won't push the same mantra that we had last year, unless of course if, if it becomes an abnormal because last year was three times the average of celebrity death. Yeah, but three times that is that's something to be pointed to. Yeah, but at this point, I hope that we don't. Start bashing on Twitter. There's there's enough things to bash on 2017 for. <laughs> 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 Celebrity doesn't need to be one of them right now. Well, um, and listeners, if we missed um, a glaring movie that we aren't aware of, let us know. Send us the feedback, uh, feedback at travelingthevortex.com or go to our website and click on the send us feedback tab and send us and let us know what your favorite uh, John Hurt films are. I'd love to hear your John Hurt memory. Yeah. What, what's that one that really stands out for you? Yeah. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, as mentioned, the the schedule as was, the schedule of old, everything's still there. It's just bumped a week, which means next week for Friday Night Who, we'll be doing uh, PCAP, 
in the uh, Zygon two-parter, the Zygon Invasion, the Zygon Inversion. And then our Zygon Adversary Archive will be the discussion topic for next week, uh, where we will cover the Zygon Who Fell to Earth, the Eighth Doctor audio adventure, and Zygon, when being you just isn't enough. Which I noticed does not appear on screen. Nope. nope <laughs> I mean, it, it comes up not. in the title sequence. It's just Zygon. Okay. It is not. So we'll see where we go with that. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the schedule is posted online. I will probably make some sort of repost of that schedule and change Oh, you're going to have to redo the... Um, yeah, i got to change Friday the video, too. video, too. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But I did, believe me. <laughs> that was the part of my brain going, no. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it uh, kind of updated for you just to let everybody know. Because we, we are pushing that back. Now, again, having said that, the caveat is as we get closer to Easter Saturday, <laughs> when New Who comes back, it may chop off the end of the schedule depending on the actual time frame of that happening. So be aware of that. I think what we've that. published so far, we're good. Theoretically, we should be. I don't know. They, they could renounce tomorrow that Easter Saturday is actually going to take place February 3rd. I don't That's know. true. That's very true. Well, if you want to support us, uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, we do have a link to Patreon on our website, travelingthevortex.com. You can go there, click that button, and support us monthly. For those of you that are already supporting us, uh, again, we thank you very much for that. There are also some links that we'd like you to check out on the uh, right-hand side of that page. Uh, proceeds of those portions of those proceeds of those good back into this website as well or this podcast as well and i'm going to put glenn on the spot and say we have a very cool new gift that we're working on for our patron <laughs> subscribers so thank you that's again. okay i'm enjoying working on it so thank you again for your gift for your for your your patronage and uh, we hope to have something special out to you Eventually. in the not too distant <laughs> future all right, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Gallifrey, stand! <laughs>